Happy Friday, developers. Today is June 30th, 2023, and welcome back to our Roundup episode where you can catch up on episodes you missed or get a quick rundown of the past two weeks from PodRocket. So let's get started. Last Friday, we welcomed on Jeff Rich, one of the maintainers of Svelte, who came on to introduce Svelte's newest release, Svelte 4. Let's just jump right into it. Svelte 4 launched today. It's been, I think, four years coming since Svelte 3. Yeah. So I'm really curious about the kind of mindset that you guys had. It's been a long time, and I know this is not going to be like a massive launch, so I want to preemptively tell that to the audience. But it is a really important launch for the future. So I want to cast it off to you to talk about what are the new features in Svelte 4? What can we expect? Right. So like you said, this is mainly a let's get rid of the old cruft kind of launch. So Svelte 3, four years ago, a lot has changed in the JavaScript ecosystem since then. And we've learned a lot working on SvelteKit, like how we like to work in the Svelte repo itself. So some of the biggest changes in this release were behind the scenes. So restructuring the Svelte repo in a way that will make sense and really empower us to move faster when it comes time to work on the next version of Svelte. As far as large features go, pretty minimal breaking changes. There are some smaller things with maybe some obscure features, but we really wanted to make this as drop-in as possible, just a no-brainer upgrade. We have increased the minimum versions required, so Node 16 is now the standard. You can't use anything before that. Also increasing versions of Webpack and Vite. So those are a lot of the breaking changes you'll encounter. As far as features go, I would say the main like big feature release in this is the custom elements refactor. Not used by a lot of the Svelte community, but there are a core group of people who really rely on this feature, and it's great. If you haven't used it before, custom elements let you take your Svelte components and compile them to a custom element that can be dropped on any page, just a self-contained web component is another word for it. Um, And that feature really got a overhaul and a redesign just to make it a little bit nicer to work with. So I can go into that a little bit more if you want. Yeah, absolutely. So the web components thing was really interesting. I was reading about it. And before, I think there were a few kind of buggy things. And I think actions was a big part of just being a pain point of web components. So can you explain not only just like what's been changed? I think we don't need to get into the nitty gritty there. Can you explain the main like focus of web components and a little bit about what we should use them for in the future for a junior developer out there? What are web components? Why should we care? Yeah, so I I would say Svelte with Web Components, the main use case for that is if you're trying to incrementally migrate your site away, maybe it's built in some older technology, you want to start using a component framework like Svelte, but you don't have time to completely rewrite the whole site from scratch in SvelteKit or whatever. With a Web Component, you can compile to this Web Component and then incrementally move over just parts of your site. So let's say you have a sidebar. You could turn, just rewrite the sidebar Svelte Component and then compile it to a web component and just drop that in on your pre-existing site and not have to you know, rip out all the guts of your architecture. Yeah, that's a really good explanation, actually. I think, I think it is a really useful little feature, or not little feature, it's a pretty big part of maybe even the future of web development. I know my thought process always goes to what's next for web, what's next in the JavaScript world. And I think web components are one step closer to maybe having a built-in framework right, in the browser. Maybe Svelte is another step there, too. Kenzie Dodds returns to the pod to introduce his newest project to the web development community, the Epic Stack. Here, he explains what the Epic Stack is and why he decided to create it. 
the Epic stack and I'm hinting at it's a little bit different than like a basket of four technologies. So what is it in its essence, the Epic stack? Totally. First on that basket of four technologies thing, what's interesting about that is as technology evolves, you're unable to evolve the tech stack as well because you've pinned your name to the tech that you're using. <laughs> so that's why we have all of those different named stacks, but uh, that's why it's the Epic stack doesn't actually stand for anything as far as the technologies that it uses because there are just so many technologies you need for an app. So anyway, to summarize the idea, I gave this talk at a Remix Conf that described where the idea of Epic Stack came from. So I'd refer anybody to go check out that talk later. But the basic idea is that, first of all, there are a lot of really awesome choices when building web applications these days. And regardless of which you choose, you're probably going to be okay because there aren't really like necessarily bad options. There are some bad options for some use cases, but most of the time, like you just throw a dart at a dartboard and you'll probably be fine with that technology choice. And so given that, the time that you spend making decisions on these different technologies is probably not really well spent. And what's interesting is we agonize over this decision a lot. And it's just a really challenging process to go through all of that when we're really just trying to build our apps. And the primary reason why we agonize over this, even though we all acknowledge all these technologies are great, we could use any of them and probably be fine, but we still agonize over it because the fear is that if we make the wrong choice, we're going to have to dig ourselves out of that wrong choice in the future, or it will just send our company under. And so the impact of a incorrect choice is really big, even if the likelihood is very low. And so it can be really nice if somebody just comes along and says, hey, these are the tools and technologies that worked really well for me. They'll probably work fine for you. So skip the whole decision process and jump right into uh, something like this. And another really nice benefit of doing that is you can really optimize a lot of things when you know all of the different tools and technologies that you're using. I know I'm going to be combining these two tools together, so I'll wire those up and people don't have to worry about doing that themselves. The Epic Stack is basically a project generator and reference implementation for people because people aren't like starting new projects all the time. So it's also very much useful as a reference for people to get going really quickly and not be so concerned about which technologies to choose because whatever you choose, it'd probably be fine. Um, it's based on the apps that I have built and shipped from small app internal applications at big and small companies to consumer facing applications that are shipped to millions of users all over the world every day. So I've had a really broad range of experience. I am up to date on the latest technologies and um, I have very well formed opinions about what technologies to use. So if you want to build apps the way that I build apps, then you can get started with this and you'll be off to the races on a really solid foundation. That's the premise. And finally, Matteo Kalina, co-founder and CTO of Platformatic, returned as well to talk about modular monoliths and how long-running projects run into issues because they're not structured in a scalable, maintainable way. In this clip, Matteo describes the problems that come from this. I have worked for eight years and a half as a consultant helping companies implement using Node.js. What I have noticed is one single pattern. It's most of the problems that teams and, and developers have in 
Node.js applications and long-running projects is that they structure their project in an unscalable, unmaintainable way. Essentially, they end up developing their code in more or less in a spaghetti ball fashion. Why? The key problem is that, and sorry, putting the things on Express, the original Express tutorial and even the Express generator creates an application and treats it as a singleton running inside your process. And more importantly than that, it has all the bootstrapping of that application done more or less synchronously along the way. For those of us who maybe didn't go to a computer science school, a singleton. Yes. So what is a singleton? It's an object that you have only an instance of that object. Okay. Now, what it happens is you create your database connection and store it inside the module that is required everywhere. You put your Node.js application, the server, as an object that gets loaded and used everywhere. And so everything is run via these globalish components that you only have one instance of that. Now, why is this problematic? And why Singleton is basically this one of the biggest anti-pattern that you can essentially find everywhere? Because it's very hard to test this, okay? Every time you want to test your application, you need to basically, oh, but I have all these singletons to tear down and relaunch and so on and so forth, making it your test slow, making your test harder to run, and also exposing yourself to all sorts of bugs when developing the application. The other problem is that you think that node modules are singletons, so that when you do an export of something, it's a singleton, okay? And you just have that one instance of that specific module. This is not true. The Node.js ecosystem is built around the concept that you can have two different instances of the same module loaded from two different paths, and they could potentially contain very similar code or do the similar things. And the moment you define them in that way, you are clearly defining your code as, oh, I'm never going to take part a chunk of my library and move it inside a module, inside a package that then can be reused somewhere else. What this causes is, as a result of this problem, there is the fact, uh, the result of this train of thought, is what you're doing in that Express tutorial that you showed at the beginning is essentially doing you a disservice because it's actually a very great tutorial. So you get learned something very quick, but you're learning something that does not age very well, okay? And every single person that has built a complex application will tell you that. Now, what is the other complex is whenever you start adding, for example, ORMs that use the concept of a global connection, then you become even less likely that you will ever be able to split your application or decouple your application. Over time, as much you add code, everything passed through the same singletons, okay? And you are very quickly not able to split your code anymore. So everything became more or less coupled with each other and leads to essentially a big ball of mud. And everything becomes coupled to each other because they all depend on this one instance, this one singleton. Typically, this is part of the biggest problem, yes. Right. And then you get a giant monolith. And we all know that microservices, or at least we were told that microservices... The problem is not really about monolith versus microservices. The problem is about coupling between the different parts of your applications. You want the different domains inside your application, the different components, different things that you are built 
the parts that are built by different human beings, ultimately, okay? If you have two human beings, you probably want to have them working on two different things, not at the same thing, at the same time. So if you want their two parts to have as minimal interaction as possible, if you do, that's easy to then scale your team and not block everything. But most large Node.js applications, I've seen a lot, quite a lot, they become hard to maintain because they're not built on top of that stuff. And that's it for today, Friday, June 30th. You can check out the full episodes linked in our show notes. And if you like what you hear, follow PodRocket for more great web development content. See you at the next roundup. This episode was brought to you by LogRocket. Try it for free today at logrocket.com.